0: Our study today is entitled Journey. Journey. Okay. How many of you have been on a journey before? You're like, what, what is a journey exactly? You know, you might be thinking, is it a vacation? Is it a trip? Is it when I uh, crossed over from the Philippines to Canada? You know, that's quite a journey. You know, and... You know, sometimes you, you wonder, is your journey when you get up in the morning and get on that bus and try to make it to your next destination. What is the journey exactly? Some journeys are more um, enjoyable, I think, than others. You know, Some are more enjoyable than others. You know, I remember a time when my family went down to Florida. We went down to Florida for a little family vacation. And um, as we were leaving, I remember my grandfather knocking on the window of the van and saying, goodbye, goodbye, I'll see you in a week, right? And we were so excited to be finally going as a family together, you know? And um, when we reached our destination, we got in the pool, and we were, we were having such a good time, you know, me, all my siblings, my parents, and, and some of the kids. And I remember um, the next morning when we woke up, We had just made it there. You know, we made that journey getting through the airport, getting through security with car seats and everything, you know, and it was such a good time to get down there. The next morning when we woke up, we received a phone call that our grandfather, my grandfather, my dad's dad had passed away. And the last thing we remember seeing was him smiling, waving, saying, see you next week, right? And um, it got me thinking, well, we have to start the journey back home. And what a sad journey this is going to be, you know? What, what are we looking forward to? We're looking forward to the end of a life, you know? And we stop and think about it. When we got home and we were able to have a funeral service for my grandfather, it was a celebration of life. It was a time where we were able to look back and have great good memories and think about God's faithfulness in my grandfather's life all that time And just to know that he journeyed with God as he walked this earth. And, you know, my grandfather, he was my mentor. He was my pastor. He was my roommate, actually. And he baptized me. Um, And to, to have known my grandfather that way, he had instilled something in me, a love for the Lord, a trust in God, right? That no matter what you go through in life, believe me, my grandfather had seen his share of disappointments in life. And I was one of them. Okay for a long time I was a big disappointment to my grandfather yet he still loved me and he never gave up on me and he continued to stay there with me no matter what I did right he taught me the love of god he taught my my father the love of god and my father taught that to me as well i hope that i'm teaching it to my children too you see the journey with god it's more than just it's more than just okay, I accept Jesus and I'm waiting for heaven now, right? Some people think, well, I want to make it to heaven one day. And heaven becomes the end goal. But friends, when you stepped into this journey with God, when you've accepted Jesus Christ and you started to journey with him, what are you really looking forward to? Are you just looking forward to heaven? And are you missing the entire experience of the journey along the way? In the Bible, God called some people to go on a journey, okay? And one of the first ones I remember was Noah, right? What a journey that was. Listen, you got to build this boat. Your mode of transportation, you got to build it. Imagine if you were supposed to go somewhere, and I say, listen, we're going to go somewhere, and there's going to be a big flood, but you got to build a boat, all right? So imagine Noah, and he's like, okay, a flood's coming. I better start building so he starts building a boat, and God gives him everything he needs. He, he equips him with all the details of how this boat is to be built. And he, he let him know, these are going to be your passengers. So you have to make sure there's enough space for your passengers. And God gave him all the details. And right there along that way, Noah built and built for several years. Decades and decades he built this boat before the rain finally came, right? Imagine Noah being on that boat. Where are we going, Lord? We built a boat. Where are we headed? You know? I can't imagine if I was Noah sitting in that boat and the rain starts coming and you see the entire world around you disappear underwater. What's next, God? Even if we survive this, what's next? He needed to have faith. He needed to continue trusting that God knew what he was doing, didn't he? Right? Another journey we're going to read about today, it starts with a man called Moses, okay, and his story's right there, and he got a call, he got a call from God, when was the last time you got a call, on your cell phone maybe, you know, it's like, do I answer the call, you know, ring, ring, and you look, oh, I'm not going to get that, and you put that on your phone, back then they didn't have cell phones, all right, and God had a very weird way of communicating, I think, at this point. Let's read about it in Exodus chapter 3, verse 4.
1: When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am.
0: All right, so here God is calling Moses from a burning bush. Moses, Moses. Who said that? Moses, Moses. Where is that coming from? You know? And God calls Moses by his name. He didn't say, Hey, you over there, come closer. He was very specific, wasn't he? He knew Moses, he knew his name, and he called him over and he invited him into his presence there. And Moses said, Here I am. Let's look at Jeremiah 1, verse 5.
1: Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations.
0: And this is for the prophet Jeremiah, but to know that God can know you before you're born. He knows you from the womb. And he knows all your days. He knows what's going to happen from beginning to end, right? And he has a purpose and a plan for your life. The purpose for this guy was to be a prophet for the nations. But friends, believe me, You all have a purpose from God. You all have a calling on your life. And God knows you intimately before even your parents knew you. Okay? God knows you and he knows your name. And when he calls you, he's calling you. It's not a general call and open invitation. He calls you specifically. God called Moses from the burning bush. Moses, Moses. How did Moses respond? Here I am. Sounds like he answered the call, right? God knows you, and he calls you personally. How do you respond to God's calling? How does God call us in the first place? You know, I believe God speaks our language, right? I believe that when he calls us, he's going to use something that gets our attention. And sometimes that might be hardship. Sometimes that might be some sort of calamity, okay? just so that he gets our attention. And where do we look when he gets our attention? And he says, Tim, Tim. I'm like, I have nothing left here right now. I don't know what to do. Tim, Tim. I could say, yes, Lord, you got my attention. What do you want now? At least I'm talking to him, right? And that's all that it starts with. It starts with that initial contact. It starts with that point. But if you get a call, and you don't pick up that call, say you get a call on your cell phone, and you don't pick up that call, is there any communication there? Nothing happened, right? But somebody dialed you. Somebody wants to get in touch with you. They didn't just call some random number and hope that it lands on you. No, there was intention in that. See, when God calls us, there's intention. God calls you, and he has something he wants to say. All right? Moses... I'm sure when he answered that call, here I am, he didn't know what he was stepping into just yet. But it started a conversation, okay? God had a plan for Moses to go back to Egypt and and free the slaves, to free the Israelites and take them out, and he wanted to use Moses. See, God called him, and he had a purpose for him, right? When God calls you, he just doesn't want to say, hey, do you have any plans tonight? Let's go figure something out. You know? He already knows what he wants to do in your life. Do you know what your purpose is in life? Earlier this week, a couple days ago, actually, I had um, a homeschool lesson with my sons. And uh, after the break, the Christmas break, it was hard to get back on a homeschool routine. So we were all a little frustrated and it was just me and the boys. And uh, I'm trying to manage the kids and... I'm starting to get frustrated because things aren't going well. And my son, he sees my frustration, he sees that I'm upset, and he starts to get frustrated as well, to the point where he can't focus on his work because the energy levels were just off, you know? And I had invited him, I'm like, son, come on, we're going to get back into homeschool this week, it's going to be great, you know? And he looks at me and he's like, Dad, what do you want me to do? I said, I want you to do your work, man. And I was firm. I just want you to do your work. Just sit down and do your work. Stop dilly dallying. And he's like, I don't know, Dad, I don't know what you want me to do. I just want you to be happy. That broke my heart. Because here I am berating my child. And he's like, I don't get it, Dad. What do you want me to do? And then he actually put his hands in his his head in his hands. And he started to go off and he's he wasn't talking about his homeschool lesson anymore. I said I just want you to learn how to focus. I want you to learn how to obey what I'm I'm trying to teach you. This is for your good. It's not for me. I want you to learn. I'm trying to help you. And he's still saying, "But what do you want from me? What do you want me to do?" He's only 8 years old, and he is wise beyond his years in many ways. The next thing he said is, "I don't know what my purpose is." I'm like, "How do you hear that from an 8-year-old?" You know, but it's becoming more and more common. these kids know what they're talking about without direction, without purpose, they don't know what to do, and I, that broke my heart. I saw my boy with his head in his hands. I'm not making this up he's very he's very um proper when he speaks and it got me thinking, my lord, you know if i can't I can't tell him what his purpose is, I could show him." what you've done in my life, I could show him your ways, but I can't tell him what's expected. Only you know, Lord. Only you know the purpose for my son's life. I don't want to infuse my thoughts to say, this is what you are meant for, you know, and then my child becomes a slave to me. Trying to please me, I said, son, I know you want me to be happy, and that makes me happy already, but you don't have to live to please me. We only live to please God, And one of the things God said was, children, obey your parents. Children, honor your father and mother in the Lord. And I told him, any time that I'm acting in a certain way and I'm not acting in the way of the Lord, you need to call me out on it. You get to tell me that. That's how you honor me, to keep me on the right path, to stay on the journey with God. Do you know your purpose in life? Let's look at Romans 11, verse 29.
1: For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable.
0: Irrevocable. There you go. So God never goes back on his promises. Once God says something, it stands. God does not change his mind. Okay? What, when God puts a plan in motion, the plan's going to be carried out. And he's going to do everything to make sure that that happens. Right? God promised Moses and he promised the people of Israel that when he pulls them out of Egypt and free them from that bondage of slavery that he's bringing them where to the promised land it took a while okay the promised land really should have been only a 3 days journey for them okay but they were not allowed to enter in until 40 years later 3 days from Egypt they could have that's that's like a long weekend you know and instead you spend 40 years you know another note I just want to praise God my wife turned 40 yesterday praising God for that you know because he has blessed her life in so many ways and I'm thinking wow 40 that's a long time my wife just turned 40 but they were out there for 40 years like that's a long time but God was preparing them for something and there's something special about that number 40, right? 40 in the Bible, there are many journeys that happened in 40. Noah and the ark, the rain came down 40 days and 40 nights, right? Um, Jesus, when he was tested in the wilderness, 40 days and 40 nights, right? The Israelites, out in, out in the wilderness for 40 years, right? And there's this thing about preparation during those 40 years or those 40 days. It's part of the journey, you see. God wants to make sure that we are well prepared before we enter into his promises. We have his promise, and he will not take his promise away, right? Jesus, when we believe in Jesus, the promise is when you believe in Jesus, you will have eternal life. God made that promise, and he will not take it away. Does that mean that everybody will have eternal life? No. See, God loves us unconditionally, yes? Yes? He loves us unconditionally, but His promises have conditions. If you want to know His promises, there are some conditions, right? If you love me, obey my commands. When you obey and, you know, you you enter into His way because you're doing things according to His will. And when you do that, believe me, you will get everything your heart desires when you love the Lord with all your heart he promises to give you all you desire if you love him with all your heart some people say well if i say i love god if i say with my mouth that i love god with all my heart will he give me that mercedes-benz i always wanted will he give me the tesla you know And some people think that's what it means. If I give money to the church, if I do good things, if I try to live like a good Christian, then maybe God will give me something to make me more comfortable right now. No. If our desires are for the things of the world, then we still have many lessons to learn. And that's why God keeps us in this testing period or this preparation time. And it can take some time. Remember the Israelites? should have been a three-day journey. Turned into 40 years. You know why? They still had lessons to learn before they could fully appreciate God's promise, the promised land. See, if you think that you accept Jesus now and you're going to love heaven, I accept Jesus today. I'm going to heaven, yes, and that's it. And we forget, my heart still desires the things of this world. How could I possibly enjoy God in heaven if my heart is still for things here on this world? So God is still doing a work with you, and he's being patient with you. He's working things out in your life. He wants you to uh, be able to appreciate fully the gifts that he has prepared for you, okay, in heaven. So keep hanging on. When God calls you, he will never revoke the invitation for you to come journey with him. And that's what it is. It's an invitation to come journey with him. If I said, um... Faye, we're gonna go on a trip. Pack your bags, you gotta drop everything, and it's gonna be a great time. And Faye's like, ah, oh, but I got work. I got work tomorrow. Right? And she says, Oh, but I still have to clean my room. I still have to make preparations. And I'm like, no, we're gonna go, it's gonna be great. Come on, we're going on a journey. And she's like, okay, but I still have to do my laundry. No, forget it. Just like everything you need, it's gonna be there. So just like, come on, it's it's gonna be the best trip you've ever had in your life. And she's like, "Um, okay, I'll think about it. Isn't that kind of what it's like with God? He invites you to, like, journey with him for life and live with him for all eternity, and it's the best thing, and he has everything you'll ever need. And you're like, but, you know, I'm still hanging out here. I want to party a little bit more. You know, I still want to experience what it's like to uh, have my first kiss, you know, under the moonlight. You know, And, and some people are like, you know, I love God, I want to go to heaven, but there's still so much of life I want to enjoy right now. Sound familiar? Yeah, sounds familiar. You know, we don't want to repent, we don't want to turn away from all this stuff, but God's saying, leave everything and just come, follow me. Sound familiar? Mm -hmm. This is Jesus' invitation when he came, walking this earth, he said, listen, come, follow me. Come and learn my way. Come and know me, and you will have life forever. Eternal life sounds good, but I'm not ready for it yet. You know, eternal life begins when you first accept Jesus into your heart. That's when it starts. It doesn't start when you die and leave this world. We get to experience and know God and have this living, breathing relationship with him today. All right? And he's calling you to that life. It's an invitation to journey with him. If you could just stop and look at it that way to journey with him, and you will have all that you would ever need or imagine that you'd, you've ever wanted. And he goes beyond even your own desires, he will overflow you with tremendous blessing because you walk with him. Okay? Let's look at Acts chapter 20, verse 24.
1: However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace.
0: This is the Apostle Paul. He knew the purpose over his life, and God got his attention, didn't he? Remember, Paul used to be Saul, the oppressor, right? Um, and he, he was going out, doing what he believed was meant for God, and God got his attention. He blinded him on the road to Damascus, and there's this bright light, and he calls to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? See, again, God called him by name, and he had a purpose when he called him, and he sees, I see how religious and devout you are to this cause, but I'm giving you a new cause. I'm inviting you to join me on my mission, right? And now you are called Paul. Right? What a beautiful thing. So Paul knew his purpose in life. He knew what God met him for when he called him. Okay? Can you look at your life the way that Paul did? Can you count your life to be worthless unless you live to the purpose appointed to you by God? Again, we all have a purpose in life, yes? There is a purpose appointed to you by God. And until you step into that and start experiencing what that looks like to live with purpose, only then would your life really be worth anything. Okay? If you try doing something else, then what God has purposed for you, friends, count it all as loss. Okay? Compared to knowing God. Count it all as loss because that life without God is worthless. It's not life. When God invites you to journey with him and you step in and answer that call, that's when life begins. He says, wake up, sleeper. Before that, we were all just sleeping, not knowing the reality of God's presence in our life. So when we wake up, guess what? That's when life begins. That's when the journey begins. Sometimes in this world, we talk about our life journey, and we go back to, oh, when I was a child, this happened, and and then you go through all your life experiences, not a bad thing. If you could see God's grace in those moments when you look back, sure, that's part of your life journey. But what about your spiritual journey? It really only begins when you wake up and answer the call and step into that journey with Jesus, okay? Okay. Your life would be worth something when you realize your purpose appointed to you by God. Sounds like a big calling, doesn't it? And so, it sounds like you got to give everything up, right? It's easy for me to know that I could give everything up if I know that everything I need will be taken care of, right? God is our great provider. Let's look at Psalm 119 verse 105.
1: Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. In Psalm 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you.
0: Okay, so nowadays, if I say, listen, I need you to go all the way down to Coburg and pick up a cake, all right? And you're like, Coburg, never been there before. How do I get there? You need some directions, Right? A few of us might have been to Coburg. It's not that far. (laughs) But uh, if you don't know where you're going, it's easy to get lost and try to find your way, and you're scrambling, wandering around aimlessly, right? So nowadays, we have something called GPS, and all you do is type in the uh, address, your final destination, and the whole way through, you are connected to that GPS. Did it say turn right here? Did I miss my turn? be calculating you know it takes you back around so so and, and that's what it does with the gps but we have a relationship with that gps for a moment why because it becomes our guide why because it shows us the way to go and why because we have chosen to trust the directions of that gps now i'm a guy that doesn't like to follow the directions of the gps i look around it and see oh there's another way i could go you know, and I go, you know, but it still gets me to the same end point. <laughs> but when I go those other ways, my wife's like, where are you going? It says to go here. You know, maybe I'm teaching my kids a bad lesson. They're in the back. And, but that's kind of what it's like when we go our own way, and God has already showed us the way that we need to go. His word is like our spiritual GPS or spiritual map, right? And not just that, it's also like a flashlight. You see, because in this world, things are uncertain and things are dark. But with God's word bringing light to us, we see where we're going. Okay? You can have directions and have a blindfold on. And the directions say, turn right, turn left. But you don't see it for yourself. You don't really know where you're going. With God's word, friends, he shows you each step along the way. Through his word, what he's doing in your life. His word is like a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. So it shows you where you're walking, where you are, and it shows you where you're heading. But your eyes could only see so far, right? You don't know what's beyond that horizon. You don't know what's on the other side of that hill. But God does. Can you trust him? Can you trust his word to continue leading you and guiding you in all things? See, if you go to a new land and you don't have your GPS and you don't know how to read a map, there are a lot of people that don't know how to read maps nowadays. You know that? It's a lost art. It's very necessary. I encourage you, learn to read a map in case the GPS goes down. Okay? Write it on your heart. All right? Carry it with you and treasure it and keep it close. Carry God's word close so that you don't turn from it, so you don't leave that path that he's putting you on. Yes? Yes? God's prompting spirit. Woo! I like that. You have a spiritual GPS. God's prompting spirit. Oh, that's good. That's being led by his spirit. Amen. That's great. So this verse here, it talks about God's word being a lamp to guide where we go and light revealing the path that we ought to walk. The light reveals things hidden in darkness, and God's word illuminates our darkened minds see we don't understand but with god's word he brings understanding with his spirit he brings understanding and we're illuminated and we're able to see and know his truths these are called revealed truths okay. let's look at hebrews 13 20 to 21
1: Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, and to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.
0: God gives us what we need to accomplish his will. Yes? Yes that he may work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. And it's all for his honor and his glory. It's about his will and what he wants. So you are properly equipped for the journey ahead of you when you receive what God provides for you along the way. Remember the Israelites when they left Egypt? They were well taken care of in Egypt. They were given food to eat, you know? But when they were out in the wilderness... They started to grumble, and they are hungry. But the Lord provided. He provided this food from heaven, called manna. You know what manna means? Means what is it? (laughs) Stuff is falling from the sky. What is it? And that became its name. (laughs) Okay, manna. Manna. (laughs) What is it? Imagine every time you eat your food. What is it? (laughs) But God provided this, and this is what sustained them on the journey, right? But sometimes we become dissatisfied with what God has provided, right? The Israelites did this too. Manna, again, what is it, didn't become what is it. It's, I know that already. Give me something more. Give me what I had back there, right? So God gave them what they wanted. They gave them quails, gave them meat, and it was gross. After a while, they're like, oh, that's too much, (laughs) right? They got, ba- they got manna back, right? Can you trust that God is providing everything that you need? Can you, can you trust that he's providing every need for life and living? If When you start to question that, then you might want to ask yourself, this thing that I am yearning after, is it truly a need for my spiritual journey? Or is it just a, a want? Is it a worldly desire? Or is it a desire that matches God's desire? Okay? Don't get so bent out of shape trying to attain things in this world that are temporary. God says that thing, it's not good enough. What's that? Duracell? What's Duracell? What's Energizer? Which one lasts longer? Energizer says they last longer. It keeps going and going, okay? So to be energized by God's Spirit is more than just living in a cell of this world where it's temporary and for a moment, right? But when you're energized by God's Spirit and you receive the gifts that he's giving you, friends, those things, they go on and on. It just keeps going and going. God provides you the best, okay? He provides you the best. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17.
1: All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servants of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, what helps us
0: be equipped? All scripture. All Scripture, and look at that first line. All Scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed. The first time that we see this in Scripture, think back to the time of creation when God formed man from the dust of the earth. Once he's formed, what's the first thing that he does? He breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a Living. living soul, a living being. See, without the breath of life, there is no life. And when God breathed Scripture, His Word brings life. Without knowing His Word, we do not know life. We're just like a lump of clay that is easily manipulated by whatever other forces come along. Are you still being manipulated by the forces of this world? Or are you breathing in God's word, feeding on his word every moment of every day, knowing him, knowing life? It's good for all scripture is useful for teaching. You need to learn your lessons first before you're allowed to rebuke. You don't rebuke an ignorant person because they don't know yet. You use the word to teach them. Once we learn our lessons, then we could be rebuked. Why? We already know a little bit of God's truth. So we use God's truth again to keep us on track. Rebuke and correct. This is what we're doing here. It's wrong. We need to turn and keep working the right path. So we learn it. If we go astray, we're turned around. Once we're turned around, we are corrected. And once we're corrected, we could continue our training. We could continue learning our lessons. Why did God keep the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years? They needed to learn their lessons. Why are you still feeling like you are in a wilderness place or a desert place, like you haven't quite arrived anywhere with God? He still has lessons he wants to teach you. But what are you filling your mind with? Are you going to his word that brings life? Are you going to his word that equips you for every good thing that he wants you to do? We can know that his word brings life. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17
1: to 19a. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ...
0: Who knows the secrets that are deeper than a person better than the spirit that's within that person? If you have secrets today that nobody else knows about, your spirit inside you knows that, right? In the same way, God has his truths that are difficult for us to understand. But his spirit whispers those truths to us and reveals his truth to us. So when we seek God through his word, when we have our Bible time with God, a lot of people can just read words and it doesn't make a difference to them. It's just information being downloaded. But there's no life in it. Why? Because the Spirit hasn't brought that revelation. The Spirit hasn't brought that word to life for that person yet. And God only gives us what we can handle in the moment. When he gives us the truth, he doesn't want to overwhelm you with so much that you feel like, I can't do this. He knows you personally. He knows what you're going through. And he will give you what you can handle for the time. If you don't learn your lessons, you're going to stay back a little longer. Right? You know, nowadays, they say you can't fail children in elementary school. You have to pass them no matter what. Growing up, I had the fear of failing. I had the fear of being left behind. But now they're like, oh, your kid could do whatever, but you still have to pass him. You know, there's that fear of being left behind. uh, Not being properly equipped. See, before you could advance the child to the next grade, don't you think that the child should be equipped to handle the workload that's coming later? If you advance them and they're not equipped for it, you're setting them up for more and more failure the rest of their life. Okay? So my kids (laughs) were homeschooling, And people always ask me, how do you know what grade they're in? And I said, I go based on their ability and their comprehension of things. And they're like, "Um, so one of them might be like grade seven in science, but he's still grade two in English, you know? The same child. He has strengths and he has weaknesses, right? But I want him to be better equipped before I move him up to the next phase in whatever he's facing, right? God wants to do the same thing with us. He doesn't want to set you up for failure. He wants to equip you along the journey and give you exactly what you need every step of the way. Can you trust that he knows best? Right? There's a lot of phones going off today. It's like everybody is getting a call, you know? That's cool. (laughs) You're called. And he's answering it. Go, go. (laughs) Let's go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8.
1: But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth.
0: All right, so God empowered the apostles. Remember, they were waiting in the upper room. They were waiting on that day of Pentecost, right? And here the apostles are, and they're sitting there waiting for whatever God was going to give them. They didn't quite know what it was or how it would come, but they sat, they followed instructions, and they waited for the helper to come, right? The Holy Spirit comes on them, and God's presence is among them. And it's God's presence that empowers them to do the, carry out the mission that they are called to. And he starts in the city. You start there in Jerusalem, and then you go out and start reaching the countries, and then all the way to the ends of the earth. God's mission is that every person can know him. Every person can come to know who he is. So if you joined God in his mission when you accepted Jesus Christ, that means that you stepped into a mission to make God known. Okay, that's it. How could you make God known if you don't know him yet? You got to know him before you introduce him to other people. Right? So friends... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> My daughter is calling. What are you calling for? <laughs> Mankind was created to make God known. If you step into this mission with God, then you've agreed to make God known. That's it. Okay? What did Jesus Christ do when he walked this earth? What was his purpose? I mean, before going to the cross, everything that he was doing was to reveal his father. Everything he was doing was to reveal the kingdom of God. Okay? So if that's what Jesus stood for, and we call ourselves Jesus followers, and we join him in his mission, friends, what is your mission today? To make God known. That's it. To glorify him in all things, in all you do. Bring honor and glory to him. That is our mission still today. So let's go to this journey. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6.
1: If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth.
0: Can we read it again? <laughs>
1: If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth.
0: All right. You don't have to put your hand up, but I want you to honestly think for yourself. Am I still walking in darkness? Has God's word not been a lamp for your feet and a light to your path? Are you still walking in darkness? Do you still feel like you don't know where you're headed with God and you don't understand what this journey is about? Are you still walking in darkness? Because if we claim to have fellowship with him, if we say we are joined together with him but live in darkness, we are telling a lie. We are not living the truth. That's the reality check. You know when you go on a journey and you go to the airport There's some checkpoints along the way. Some security things along the way. And there's some things you're allowed to bring with you on the journey and other things you're not allowed. Right? And at those checkpoints, before you could proceed, they examine what's in your baggage. What are you carrying on with you? And they say, look here, this right here, that is dangerous. We're leaving that alone. That right there looks like it could be a threat So that's not allowed to come on the journey with you. And this is what God's doing with us. He allows us to go through checkpoints. And when we open our heart before him to be examined, examine me, Lord, and if you find anything that is not pleasing to you, take it out. If there's anything in my heart that that could be damaging to this relationship with you, take it out. If there's anything that will compromise this journey with you, take it out because I want to step forward with you. heart ever race when you get to the checkpoint <laughs> you know but you know it's more than just that checkpoint if you're crossing a border there's also a passport and when you approach and you're like oh no my status are they going to let me through do i have to go sit in that side room again <laughs> you know <laughs> And, and your heart races, but when you finally get through and you give them your passport, can you say with full confidence, I am a citizen of this country, I am going through. There's nothing that says I need to be held back because I'm a citizen of that country, I wanna go home. See friends, we as children of God, as believers in Christ, we are citizens of heaven. And there's a journey that God's taken us on and he wants us to come home to him right? So I've been on journeys before, and I'd always call my dad back home, right, when I was younger. Dad, what are they going to do next? What do I need to prepare for? Where am I headed when I get there? (laughs) I'm calling my dad. Although I'm out there on my own, I'm still in touch with my dad, and my dad helps me get through that journey, but I still need to walk it and go through it myself, all right? Your life is yours to live. Nobody else could do it for you, okay? Your journey with God is yours. Nobody else could walk it for you, okay? Are you in touch with your Father, God? Are you talking to him every step along the way? Is he the one guiding you through his word, by his spirit, with his spiritual GPS, through his promptings? Are you stepping forward with him, friends, on the journey, or are you still sleeping in darkness? You say you have fellowship, but you're still walking in darkness. We lie. Dual citizenship. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) that dual citizenship thing, man. (laughs) According to God's country, (laughs) according to heaven, it says you need to relinquish your old citizenship. You need to give that up. And then you will have all this from heaven, right? The Bible talks about a single-mindedness that we need to have. And our single-mindedness means we need to be focused on God and his kingdom. We need to turn our eyes on Jesus and stop looking at other places. We need to stay focused on him and write his, his truth on our heart. We need to carry his word in our heart because whatever comes out of us can only come out if it's stored up in our heart. Okay. So if you have other things storing up space in your heart, tell them, I'm cleaning out storage. I need more room for God's word. I need more room for God's truth, okay? Are we actually journeying with God? Let's look at Psalm 138, verse 8.
1: The Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands.
0: Will God ever leave you? Will God ever leave you? The Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O oh Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. Remember, God made you. He made you with a purpose. And he wants you to reach your fullest potential what he created you and saved you for. The good works that he has planned for you in advance to do, he equips you with everything that you need so you could accomplish his will for your life. It's not, what do I have to do for Jesus? What do I have to do for God? All you have to do is answer the way that Moses answered. Here I am, Lord. Have your way in me. Here I am. Use me. Here I am. Where are we headed today, God? It's a journey, friends, and it's an exciting, exhilarating journey with many moments and opportunities. Like so much is ahead of us, friends. Aren't you excited to see what's beyond that horizon? You can't see it until you walk over there. You can't see it until you walk forward. Are you still making steps? In your journey with God, today, look at Romans eight, verse fourteen.
1: For those who are led by the Spirit of God, are the children of God. Who are God's children? Those
0: led by the Spirit. Are you being led by the Spirit? Are you led by the Spirit of God? And that's the question. Are you being led by God's Spirit? Are you really being led if you don't follow? Ooh. There's a security checkpoint again. We say that we love him. We say that he leads us. But the question is, are you following him? (laughs) I am somewhat fearful for my future with my daughter, (laughs) but I am trusting God for this journey, too. He put me on a new journey, having a daughter, because I only know how to raise boys to this point, but even in that, I mean, the simplest everyday things, we can trust God to be with us in that, and he reveals his truth to us, no matter what our situation is, right, On the journey, God is our guide and our guardian. When we are led by Him, we are His children. Amen? Romans 8 28.
1: And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose.
0: I love this passage. I received a beautiful gift on Christmas from my Uncle Manny, it was a puzzle. A puzzle with this verse on it and since Christmas I've been sitting there in my basement and t- trying to do the puzzle and I'm almost complete the entire puzzle is almost complete it says God works all things together God works all things together so I finished the whole bottom part of the puzzle and it's been kind of a journey so far because you don't know how everything's gonna fit right but can you trust that God knows how all the pieces fit together You know, this is a beautiful passage to be put on a puzzle because it's God that works all things together. See, all those pieces are perfectly cut and everything will fit. For me, I'm just discovering how all those pieces come together. But God already purposed all the pieces of our lives. He's purposed everything for all time to work together for good so that he would be glorified. And, you know, we try to make life about us. And we look at the pieces of our life, the puzzle pieces of our life. But friends, I want you to know something. You are just one piece of this huge puzzle that God has. And without you, that puzzle is incomplete. Because you have purpose and you are shaped. And he has a place specifically for you. Don't try to force yourself where you don't belong. You'll ruin the puzzle. I talked about my daughter and the future that I have ahead with her. We were doing the puzzle last night, two nights ago. While we were talking around the table, my daughter reached out, took one piece of the puzzle. She put it in her mouth. Thank God she didn't choke. Thank God she didn't swallow it. I still have the piece, but the the picture came off. (laughs) So when I finish that puzzle, I will be reminded that one piece. And it's still going to be a beautiful puzzle. Because even though we don't see, and even if we don't know how something's going to fit, God knows. And he will not finish until he has completed the good work that he has started in your life. Can you trust that? Stick around for the journey, friends. God has great plans. And he wants to use you for his kingdom purposes. So when he calls you, will you answer, here I am, send me. Let's all stand and worship our God.